0: We'll try that one more time. Good morning. morning. A little bit better. You guys playing with the lights? Or Jesus is coming back, I don't know which. Super excited to be able to celebrate this morning and and glad you're all here. We're going to have a great day today studying God's Word. Having time of, of communion and worship. Starting a new book. Starting the book of Joshua today and new beginnings um, on a lot of different things. Let me pray over our time this morning. God, I thank you. I thank you, God, for all that you're doing. Lord, you are great and you are mighty and you are holy and just and you are true in all your ways. We want to worship you as the Holy One, the one that is far above everything in all of creation. And as we worship you. May we experience Your power and Your presence and Your promises this morning. In Jesus' name, Amen. Psalm
1: 95 says, Come, let us sing for joy to the Lord. Let us shout aloud to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before Him with thanksgiving and extol Him with music and song. For the Lord is the great God, the great King above all gods. I invite you to stand and let's worship our great God with joyful hearts this morning. One, two, three, four. morning, back to God, thanking Him for the resources that He has given us. Let me pray over the offering, and then ushers, if you would, wait upon people and will continue to worship our God as well through song. God, we are grateful people this morning, and we thank You that You invite us to come into Your presence to worship You with joyful song. We thank You that You are our great God, and that You have gone to the cross, and that You have paid the price for us to be here this morning and to worship you in spirit and in truth. And so we thank you for all you've given to us. We thank you for how you've provided for us. And we give back to you this morning as an act of worship and an obedience to your word. In Jesus' name, amen.
2: You are good, you are good When there's nothing good in me You are love, you are love display for all to see you are light you are light
0: when the darkness closes in you
2: are hope, you are hope, you have covered all my sin you are peace you are peace when my fear is crippling you are true you are true
3: See
1: To be attentive to your word. We ask that you would transform our lives in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated.
0: Well, if you would, open up your Bibles to the Old Testament. <laughs> We're going to be in the book of Joshua probably for about the next six months. And you're going, wow, okay. In praying about where the Lord would take us in, in our studies, I really felt led to to dive into this book, and really navigating through this message of Joshua, it's the first of the historical books uh, that we find within the Bible, and it's a transitionary book that goes from the books of the law to the book of history within the nation of Israel. It's a book of new beginnings and change, and... I think it's important for us to understand because so many times we shy away from things that are new. We don't like new. We like the same. We like comfortable. We like to be in that same place. And one of the challenges, especially when you're, when you're living a new life in Christ, is how do I live that new life in Christ? And there are many lessons that we're going to find in this book of Joshua of, of how to actually live that new life that God has afforded to us, to live within the promises that are there. And just to give you some some background on the book, Joshua really is this account of new beginnings. It's an account of a, a, a new leader in a new land, dealing with new kinds of problems, all transitionary, within this. The name Joshua actually means Yahweh saves. The Greek name for Joshua is anybody know? Jesus Jesus. Now it's important for us to understand all the typology that are that is their biblical pictures that are in the names and also the place of the book of Joshua. Joshua's name was not originally Joshua it was Hoshea. Joshua was one of the 12 tribes, or 12 spies of the 12 tribes, and Joshua's name was changed by Moses, the only name that was changed by Moses, from Hoshea to Joshua. And you guys say, well, why? Well, in divine inspiration, Moses was changing Joshua's name from salvation to Yahweh is salvation in preparation for Joshua to become the leader, Moses' replacement, in leading the people into the land. And again, it gives us this historical setting. One of the things that I think is important is this. God is consistent in fulfilling His promises and His work. One of the fears that we have is, is in that if we get a new leader... Will the trajectory change? For the nation of Israel, God had promised a a land, a seed, and a blessing to Abram. You can read about it in Genesis chapter 15, Genesis chapter 17, where God had given this promise. That was was the promise that was given. But now that Moses would have died and a new leader would come, the question is, is God going to keep His word? Now that everything has changed under new management... Are we still going to get the land? Are we still going to be in that place of promise? And the answer is absolutely yes. Just because God changes leaders does not change God's faithfulness to His promises. God is faithful. I think it's important for us to understand today as the church. Because as we see leaders come and leaders go, both in church ministries and in government, God's promises are eternal. And we can hang on to those promises and that God is sovereign over all the leadership. I think it's important to understand that Moses was specifically chosen by God as a shepherd leader. And he fulfilled a leadership role for a period of time as the children of Israel will come out of Egypt, wander through the wilderness and then come to the threshold of Canaan land. Joshua, on the other hand, is a military leader. And as the military leader, Joshua would step forward and he would take the role in leading the people in conquering the land. Handpicked by, by God to fulfill the roles. In fact, in Deuteronomy chapter 32, verses 51 and 52, we see how Moses was disqualified for leadership because he had a little bit of a temper problem. And he misrepresented God. It says this, because you broke faith with me, in the midst of the sons of Israel at the waters of Meribah, Kadesh, in the wilderness of Zin, because you didn't treat me as holy in the midst of the sons of Israel. For you shall see the land at a distance, but you shall not go there into the land which I am giving the sons of Israel. Further on in 34.9 says this, Now Joshua, the son of Nun, was filled with the spirit of wisdom, For Moses had laid his hands on him, and the sons of Israel listened to him and did as the Lord had commanded Moses. Now, what had happened? Moses had been told by God to speak to the rock, and he didn't. He misrepresented, and he didn't represent God well in front of the people. So God says, you're disqualified. But I'm going to let you see the land. Next March, we'll be going to Israel and if you're still considering it, please sign up, get, get plugged in. We're going to go to Israel. On the front of your bulletin covers is actually a picture of where we will, one of the places we'll go on top of Mount Nebo. This is the, the view that Moses would have had of the land. Can you imagine getting all the way to the threshold and looking at it, but knowing that you don't get to go in because you misrepresented God? Leadership, spiritual leadership, is a very high calling. God doesn't mess around. And because Moses misrepresented God before the people, God says, I'm going to let you see it, but you don't get to go. I'm going to replace you. I'm going to replace you with Joshua. But that work had begun a long time earlier, where Joshua was being established to be the next leader. Joshua wrote much of this historical document. He would write almost as a journal as things were happening in time. So as we're reading it, it's as if we're reading Joshua's journal. There are some sections in the book of Joshua that Joshua didn't write. Samuel wrote it. How do we know? Because there are phrases that are key phrases. When you're studying the Bible, study all the words. Whenever you see a phrase, until this day, that section was edited back in by Samuel who was looking at the events the historical events and bringing it back into the text and inserted it back into Joshua's journal that is there so this is Joshua's journal of bringing the people into the land the two key themes theologically in this is god's sovereignty and god's faithfulness when we get done with this book you're going to look at this and you're going to go yes god you are faithful to your word you do not depend on human leadership to accomplish your purposes and I can tell you, it is such a refreshing concept to hang on to that. That God does not depend on human leadership to accomplish His Word. He is sovereign and He is faithful. Yet there is a tension that is built into this journal of Joshua. The children of Israel come in. You know what the tension is? God says this is how it should be. Human responsibility is to act upon that word God says I want this now go do it and the human responsibility is to be obedient unto that the land was a gift and it was a gift given to the nation of Israel but Israel had a personal responsibility to go and take that now do you realize that your salvation is a gift of God God has given you this gift For by grace you have been saved through faith, not of works, lest anyone should boast. Yet you have a personal responsibility to own your own salvation and to own your faith journey. And that's done through obedience. So we're going to see how the people were given the land. God gave them the gift But they could only receive that gift by everywhere they went, being obedient to what God said to do. Your salvation is a great gift, and your journey right now is working through this. If you're one that takes notes and you want to be a little historical, the date of this writing is around anywhere between 1400 to 1200 B.C. Keep in mind, B.C., you count backwards, right? So from 1400 to 1200 B.C., We'll end the story, this account that is there with Joshua being 110 years of age. Now, here's the coolest thing. For all of you that think that you're too old for ministry, you're not. Do you know when Moses actually started serving the Lord in ministry? At the age of 80. That means you all are qualified. Aaron at 83. Joshua took over somewhere between the age of 69 to 79 years of age. So, we're going to have sign-ups afterwards for VBS for you to continue to... You laugh, I'm not kidding. (laughs) You all can do it. You all can do it because God's called you to do this. As we get into chapter 1 today, I want you to picture this. Imagine yourself. You've been following Moses, the leader of the nation, who's been dealing with some very rebellious people for a lot of years. Leading them through the land. You've been following this guy. And one day... Moses goes for a walk on top of a mountain to go meet with God. Probably not all that uncommon. But he doesn't come back. You're the number two guy. Moses, number one. Number one, now gone. Why? Because on top of Mount Nebo, God and Moses had a conversation. God took Moses' human life and took his body and buried him somewhere in the valley. We know this to be true based on the text. We don't know where he was born or buried within this. And you're sitting with all of these people in this valley waiting for your next instructions. Would you be afraid? Would it be a fearful thing to now be put in charge of all of these people? Especially knowing how they treated Moses? You're now the guy. You're now the one in charge with this. Fear of the future and fear of change is very common. Fear of a new chapter in life. Normal human emotion. But the fact is, when God's orchestrating your life, you can take courage. You can be encouraged. And you can embrace the change. And the key to winning this battle and working through change, we read in Deuteronomy 121, it says, See, the Lord your God has placed the land before you. Take it as a possession as the Lord your fathers has spoken to you. And do not fear and do not be dismayed. Moses prepared the people. Joshua was going to finish the work. Joshua, as we take a look at this, is a a typology, a picture of Jesus. That's going to bring this in. This journey of faith that we're in is much like taking the land of Canaan. One battle at a time, one step at a time, and working through dealing with these enemies. It's going to be hard living this Christian life and living this journey. And you're going to have a lot of battles and a lot of skirmishes. Do you know what the key is? Listen to God and obey Him. Trust in His power, His presence, and His promises. I'm going to ask that you stand as we read through our text for this morning. Joshua chapter 1, all the way to verse 18. If you can stand for the 18 verses, that'd be great. If not, I get it. Uh, we stand out of respect for God's Word. It says, Now it came about after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, that the Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses's servant, saying, Moses! My servant is dead, and now therefore arise and cross to the Jordan, you and all this people, to the land which I'm giving to them, to the sons of Israel. Every place on which your sole of your foot treads, I have given it to you just as I spoke to Moses. From the wilderness and this Lebanon, even as far as great as the river Euphrates, all of the land of the Hittites and as far as the great sea, towards the setting of the sun will be your territory. No man will be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Just as I have been with Moses, I will be with you. I will not fail you or forsake you. Be strong and courageous. For you shall give this people possession of the land, which I swore to their fathers, to give them. Only be strong and very courageous. Be careful to do according to all the law which Moses, my servant, commanded you. And do not turn from it to the right or to the left so that you may have success wherever you go this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth but you shall meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it for then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have success i have not comm- have i not commanded you be strong and courageous Do not tremble or be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Well, then Joshua commanded the officers of the people, saying, Pass through the midst of the camp, command the people, saying, Prepare provisions for yourselves, for within three days you're going to cross the Jordan to go to possess the land which the Lord God is giving to you to possess. To the Reubenites and to the Gadites and half half Manasseh, Joshua said, Remember the word which Moses, the servant of the Lord, commanded you, saying, The Lord your God gives you rest and will give you this land. Your wives and the little ones and your cattle shall remain in the land which Moses gave you beyond the Jordan. But you shall cross before your brothers in a battle array, all your valiant warriors, and shall help them until the Lord gives your brothers rest as he gives you and they also possess the land which the Lord your God is giving them. Then you shall return to your own land and possess it, that the Lord, that which Moses, the servant of the Lord, gave you beyond the Jordan towards the sunrise. Well, then they answered Joshua saying, All that you have commanded us, we will do. And wherever you send us, we will go. Just as we obeyed Moses in all things, we will obey you. Only may the Lord your God be with you as he was with Moses. And anyone who rebels against your commands does not obey your words, and all that you command him shall be put to death. Only be strong and courageous. May God bless the reading of his word. Be seated. So in verses 1 and 2, we have that transition, the new beginnings. And the new beginnings that, that is there. And one of the things that we see is in verse 1 is that God is the one that raised up the leader. I think it's important to understand that Israel didn't have a vote. There was no voting. There was no parties. There was no tribal thing. It was God saying, Joshua, you're the guy. God raised him up and, and said that you're going to be that new leader. He came and spoke to Joshua and informed him that Moses is dead. You're the guy. Can you imagine hearing those words? Oh, I knew this day was coming. I knew it was coming. Oh. Okay, and, with, and no doubt he was fearful. As I said, Joshua was Moses' number two within that. And we know that Joshua would be faithful. It's an interesting title. It says, Moses, servant of the Lord. Joshua would attain that title, servant of the Lord, at the end of his life. He's not called servant of the Lord until the end. Where it says it came about in the, in Joshua 24:29. It came about after these things that Joshua the son of Nun the servant of the Lord died being 110 years old. Can you imagine? 110. If he's starting at 80 and gets to 110 and, and dealing with all this, he did well. He had one job, get the people into the land and distribute the land according to the different inheritances that was important to them. He was ordained by God. The other person that is not mentioned yet, that we're not going to see until the end, is Caleb. Do you remember Caleb? Joshua and Caleb were two of the ten spies that were sent into the land to check everything out. And Joshua and Caleb came back and gave a good report, saying, yeah, we can go get the land. But the other ten said, no, we can't, they're too big. We can't do that. And they doubted. And so then, that whole generation had to go wander the wilderness. <clears throat> so within that, we see Joshua being elevated within the, the, the account. Now, what's important also is we see the promises of God. Notice in verse 2, where God speaking, says, My servant is dead. I am giving this land to the people, to the sons of Israel. He says, go and don't delay. As a leader, you need to be able to lead, don't you? Be definitive. God says the time for sitting is is done. We need to go. Go and conquer the land. It's not a passive action. Do you realize that your salvation begins at the moment in time in in which you confess Jesus as Lord and Savior and you say, please forgive me of my sin? Be the Lord of my life. At that moment in time, when you are born again, you are saved unto a great salvation. And from the moment in time that you're saved, you begin this journey of salvation. And we are still in this world. And it doesn't come to completion until we enter into the presence of God in heaven. Eternal life begins at that moment in time when you are saved. And if you've asked Jesus to forgive you of your sins, He's filled you with His Spirit and you are born again. You are saved now. You are living eternally now. You say, well, I don't feel very eternal. Well, that's because you're stuck in this body of sin. And you have areas in your body and in your life and in this world that you have to conquer. But you keep on working to be faithful and to be obedient until everything has been completed within this. I think it's interesting here... As we've read through this text, he says, Arise and cross over the Jordan and receive this land. Now, as I read this, did you see any military instructions in this? Was there a military plan? No, there's not even a mention of going to Jericho. He just says, go. Why? Because it was a journey of faith. He gives them the faith. Just trust in my promise and trust in my word. Within this. And where are they going to go? They're going to go and they're going to go take the gift. I have a couple of maps to kind of orient you to where we're at in this. If I can get my pointer, there we go. So everything you see in green would have all been considered the land of Israel. Part of it was part that they were living in, and part of it was stuff that they had yet to conquer. Jericho was right there, Mount Nebo was right there. And they're in the plain of Moab on this side of the Jordan River that runs north and south, dividing the land. And again, when we go to Israel, we're going to go and visit all of that. We're going to be in this whole area. But you've got, you know, maybe a million people or or better that's all in this land waiting to cross over. If you were the citizens of Jericho and you saw this mass that was on the other side of the river, would you be concerned? Absolutely, you would be. And if you were Joshua and you, and you saw this, you would be in this place of, of going. Now, I think it's important to understand, that's a big area to conquer. And God said, wherever your feet walk is yours, which requires personal responsibility. And in the next map, it kind of shows where and how they were going to kind of start out with this whole area. Sinai being down here, and so they would have come up, Petra is another place that we're going to end up going to on our trip, but but understand, they have to go and they have to conquer this land, and the tribes are all going to receive that land. There's a lot of discussion today uh, about what land really belongs to Israel. Well, I can tell you this is what belongs to Israel. Palestinians have come and they've squatted in certain areas. It's not their land. God defined the borders much, much earlier when he told Abram that wherever you walk, this is going to be your land. It's a promise. It's a gift to you. The borders are restored. You know what's amazing about this is that Israel is the only nation in history that has ever been completely displaced as a nation and has re-entered back into their original homeland and taken it back. Amazing. How does that happen? God's faithfulness to His word. God's promise. Regardless of who's in charge, God is faithful to His word within this. Now you say, well, okay, then why didn't they get the land when God gave the promise in Genesis? Well, as you read and as you study, you've got to understand that God gave the promise in Genesis chapter 15. But Israel only was a, a, a small family at that time. They would go into Egypt at 70. They would come out as millions. But in the meantime, the sins of the Amorites, as we read in Numbers, hadn't come to its fullest conclusion. God was waiting for the sinful to become really sinful. He was waiting for the judgment to be complete upon the land. The nation of Israel was going to be given this land as a gift, but they were also going to be used as an instrument of judgment against the ungodly, idolatrous people that were in the land. And they would be removed and they would be judged within this. So we see this justice and judgment thread that's in here. The land is defined by God, is everything from the Euphrates River, all the way to the from east to west mediterranean sea from the north of lebanon down to the negev of the south and god chose to give that land was it god's land to cho- to give is it god's land to give yeah he made it he made it he gets to give it you say well what about the people that were there they didn't make it god gave them the land god made it Do you realize that small little piece of real estate is the most volatile piece of real estate in the world? And if you read the book of Revelation, you're going to see that all of the nations are going to come across and come against that little piece of land. Why? Because man doesn't like God? No, because Satan doesn't like God. and He's going to motivate all these kings to come against him. One of the other places that we'll go is Megiddo. And see the Battle of Armageddon. The other thing that I think is important this is the promise. Notice God's promise to Joshua. Joshua, the, the leader. He says, I will never. The text literally reads, drop you. Have you ever been fearful to start something new? Have you ever been afraid to take a step of faith? God, I don't know what I'm doing. I don't feel qualified. I don't think I can do this. God says, no, you go do it. I don't want to, God. I'm scared. And God's promise is this. I'm not going to drop you. I'm not going to leave you. I'm not going to abandon you. Be strong and courageous within this. Notice in Deuteronomy 7.24, God would say to Moses... And He will deliver the kings into your hands so you'll make their name perish under the heaven. No man will be able to stand before you. He gave that promise to Moses. Do you realize that you as a Christian have that same promise? Matthew chapter 28, verses 19 and 20 says this. Go therefore and make disciples of how many? How many? All. All nations. Baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always until the end of the age. Going on mission is a fearful thing. Because you're going to a place that you've never been. To engage with people you've never met. To give a message that you're not sure if they're going to receive. But the fact of the matter is, if God's calling you, He empowers you and He promises to be with you. And guess what? Not your problem. You go. And as you go, watch God work. Many of you are terrified of five-year-olds.
3: I can't go be a Sunday
0: school teacher. What if they ask me a question I don't know? Get out your Bible. Answer them. Wherever God begins a new work, He promises to empower you. He promises his presence for you. He is not going to leave you alone. He's not going to throw you in the deep end of the pool and say and set out and go, figure it out. <laughs> no. And I can tell you from, from being in ministry and pastoral events and different things, I see this time and time again where God is faithful to his word and his promises. Joshua, go. Take the people and go. Go do what? Just go. I'll give you the instructions as you're walking. I'll give you the information as you are setting your foot on all of these places. But I want to know ahead of time. That's not faith. Go. And as you go, I will give you the information that you need. And what do we do? We go based on faith. He says, I will not Drop you. I got you. Paul had this same uh, encouragement to the leaders in the church of Philippi. In Philippians 2, 12-16, he says, So then, my beloved, just as you've always obeyed, not in my presence only, but how much more in my absence, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who is at work in you. If you have a Bible, underline that both to will and to work for His good pleasure, do all things without grumbling or disputing, so that you will prove yourselves to be blameless, innocent children of God, above reproach, in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation, among whom you appear as lights in the world, holding fast the word of life, so that the day of Christ I will have reason to glory, because I did not run in vain. Paul is writing and says, when you go, don't worry. God's got it. What am I going to say? God will give it to you when you need it. He says to these people, He says, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. What does that mean, Kerry? It means that when you take a spiritual position and stance in this world, don't be afraid. God's with you. Do what God's called you to do based on His word and instruction. Three things. Personal responsibilities for Joshua. Be strong. Why? Why should I be strong? Because God's promises never fail. Be courageous. Why? Because God's promises never fail. Then what is my part? If God's promises never fail, and I'm going to be strong and I'm going to stand, what is my part? Keeping the Word of God close to you. Keeping it close to you. He says, do not let these words leave your mouth. Be part of you. God's Word is going to guide you. He creates an inclusio. God does. In verses 6 and 9. Be strong and courageous. In fact, He mentions it multiple times. Why? Why does God repeat things? Because we forget. He's got to say it over and over again. Be strong and courageous. But, no, be strong and courageous. But, be strong and courageous. I, I Be strong and courageous. you have got to understand... That this exhortation is to be strong and courageous and own the promises of God. Own them. Which means you've got to act upon them. To take them. Why? God says to Joshua, because you, you, Joshua, are the one that will deliver my promise. Do you realize as a leader that is your role? And it doesn't matter if you're, you're a husband or a wife or a teacher or, or worker, whatever. You are the one that delivers the promises of God to people. And as God is, is working that in you, you are the one bringing it out. Joshua was the single most important person in the nation of Israel at that time because he was God's representative to the people. He was going to deliver those promises. He was going to deliver the word. And as Joshua would go, so would go the people. Joshua would deliver this land. You want to know the key to success? The key to success. I'll give it to you. It's really simple. Stay in the Word of God. He says, do these things, do these things, and you will be successful, and you will prosper. A lot of people, especially in the church today, would... would look at prosperity a different way within this. God tells them, be careful to do all that the law says. Don't deviate to the left or the right. Don't lose your way and you will prosper. When we do Boys Outback, I teach how to use a compass. 360 degrees on a compass. If you set a course, you've got to hold to that. That trajectory on that compass. What happens if you were to deviate two degrees off of your course? Eventually, you're going to be miles off of your target. He says, don't deviate. Don't go to the left or the right. Question. Has the world and the church compromised and deviated from the Word of God today? Are we off course? Is it necessary for a course correction? Yes. And how do we do a course correction? We get back to the Word of God. You get back to the Word of God. And you need to be in a place where you're studying the Word of God. We see course corrections all the time in Scripture. Ezra, when, I, when Israel was coming back in, notice what Ezra does in Ezra chapter 7, verse 10. Course correction. For Ezra had said in his heart to study the law of the Lord and to practice it, And to teach His statutes and ordinances to Israel. If your family is off course, you are the leader. What should you do? Course correction. Get them back into the Bible. Get them back into the Word. Let God direct you. Don't allow the world and the world ideology to guide you. God's Word should guide you. Now, would Israel follow that? No. Because by the time Joshua dies and things change, in the book of Judges we read, Judges 21-25, in those days there was no king in Israel, virtually no leader, everyone did what was right in their own eyes. Does that sound like today? Yes. Yes. You find somebody that loves God and loves His Word and follow them. Study the Word of God and know it. It's been said that if you don't talk, your Bible, your Bible will not talk to you. You want to know how? Somebody, if somebody's in their Bible? Listen to their conversation. They'll talk the Bible. Because the Word of God will be coming out of their mouth. They'll be referencing it. Because they're spending time with it. Meditate. This is not like Western meditation where you sit there and you clear your mind and cross your legs and you know hold your fingers go... Oh. Have a visualization... Old Testament meditation was actually to take the word of God and outwardly speak it out slowly, consistently, hearing yourself saying the word of God and thinking about all of the ramifications of that passage, of that text. Psalm chapter 1, verses 2 and 3 says this But his delight of the law of the Lord and his law, he meditates day and night. He'll be like a tree. Planted in streams of water which yields its fruit in season. And its leaf does not wither. Whatever he does prospers. Again, prosperity. How do we find prosperity? The Word of God. We do not find prosperity based on faith. There are many false teachers today that will say, If you have enough faith, you will prosper and your bank account will grow. That is a lie from the pit of hell. Prosperity is success in mission. Prosperity is being successful in what God's called you to do. Whatever that is. Joshua, if you keep the Word of God close to you, you would be successful in your mission. Mission accomplished. What is that? You conquer the land. All the tribes have the land. And if the tribes keep the Word of God close to them, then they will occupy the land. They'll remain in the land. What happened when Israel deviated from that? Well, they didn't conquer the land. They allowed the Canaanites to remain in the land, compromised, didn't do what God told them to do. And idolatry crept in, which ended up them going into captivity, which ended up them leaving the land. And we see time and time again where because they didn't hold true, the tragedy struck. In your family, in your home, and in your life. You want to know how to recalibrate? Get back to the presence, the promise, and the power of God. Get back to that place. So that your journey in this world, this Canaan land that we're living in, the promises of God would be successful within this. God has given us a path and a practice. And that's being in the Word of God and walking, and every step of the way, God leading us. Joshua gets command, and what does he do? He goes to the leaders of the tribes, verses 10 to 18, to lead. Joshua commanded the officers of the people, saying, go through the myths and tell them to prepare provision within this. We're leaving in three days. Can you imagine? Going to all leaders. Okay, you guys, we're leaving in three days. Back them up. We're breaking camp in three days. We're going to go across. We're going to go into the land within this. Meanwhile, while all the people are preparing over those three days, he's going to spend, and we're going to cover it next week, he's going to send the spies in to spy out Jericho to go into the land. He's delegating the authority, according to God's plan, to go get ready. And it, again, it was a faith-based action. Joshua, the military leader, doesn't say, okay, we're going to get to Jericho, we're going to walk around Jericho. We're going God didn't give him that information. God just said, go. This journey of faith, where God gives you a command, obey the command, follow His direction, and then wait for the next step. Get everybody ready, go. The leaders go out. And again, we walk by faith. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not to your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge Him. And what will happen? He'll make your path straight. He'll make your path straight when we trust in Him. The second thing that Joshua does under leadership, not only mobilizing the people, but then he holds some of the people accountable. Earlier on, there were two and a half tribes that had come to Moses and said, we like it over here on this side. Reuben, Gad, and half of the tribe of Manasseh. We like it over here. It's a great place for our cattle. It's a great place to raise kids. We don't want to go into the promised land that God had given us. We're good here. This is close enough. Well, it wasn't optimum, but Moses said, all right, you'll do this. But, when we go in the land, you're going to come and help. Why? Because the nation of Israel needs to fight with unity within this. To be one tribe, or one nation. Many tribes. And so, within this, they would be able to enter in. We don't rest until we all rest. The battles that we fight in this Christian life, in this journey, are not battles that we need to fight by ourselves. We need the church. You need the church. We need each other. We need each other to get it through this life. There is no way that anyone will survive as an island or a silo within this. And when you see a brother or sister that is struggling, you have a responsibility and an obligation To come alongside them and encourage them. Why? Because this is hard. It's difficult. And and these tribes, Reuben, Gad, and half of Manasseh could have said, Hey, you know what? We're settled. We don't need to go. Joshua says, No, you made a promise. You're part of the team. You go. And they said, Yes, we will go within this. For the effort and the work of entering into that rest. We need to encourage one another. As the author of Hebrews would write in Hebrews chapter 4, verses 6 through 11. Therefore, since it remains for some to enter in, and those who formerly had good news preached to them failed to enter in because of disobedience, he again fixes a certain day today, saying through David, so long a time has been said before. Today, if you hear his voice, don't harden your hearts. For if Joshua had given them rest, he would have spoken of another day. There remains a Sabbath rest for people of God. Notice, there remains a Sabbath rest for people of God. For the one who has entered into his rest has also rested from his work as God did from his. Therefore, let us be diligent, that means to work, to enter that rest, so that no one will fall through following the same example. What do we need to do? Encourage. If you see somebody struggling in their faith journey, go to them, encourage them somebody who who isn't in fellowship that used to attend call them up go to their house ask them how are you doing how can i help in order to be able to to occupy this great salvation we need one another we need fellowship we need encouragement and when we cross over and we live in this, we need to be able to live in the land together to find that rest. And it would take time. Would Joshua and the people get the land? Yes. Joshua eleven twenty three. So Joshua took the whole land according to all the Lord had spoken to him. It would take Joshua seven years to be able to get this land. And to divide the land. And in 1 Kings eight fifty six, it says, Blessed is the Lord. Blessed be the Lord, who's given rest to His people, as He has promised. Not word, one word has failed, in all the promises which He promised. Do you know when you get to rest? Do you know when, biblically, when retirement is heaven. You're not retired until you get to heaven. You may be tired, but you're not retired. Why? Because you're still here. And the church is still here. And we need you. We need you to encourage one another. And you need us to be encouraged. Because the fight is long and hard. Lastly, Joshua is a leader. Listens to the people. And the people said, yes, Joshua, we will follow you. Just as we followed Moses, which is a scary thought because they weren't very nice to Moses. They were, they were saying that they could do this, but they, they would be challenged by this. Do you realize that they're like, yeah, Joshua, we will follow you. Being a leader is really tough because a lot of people will say, yeah, I'm going to do this. And when it comes time to doing it, they back out or they mess it up. Joshua, we will follow you. We will do everything that you say. Okay, let's go to Jericho. And don't take anything from Jericho. That's the command. People, yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you remember a guy by the name of Achan? Achan disobeyed him and his family. He took from from Jericho things he shouldn't have. And then they got their lunch handed to him in the next battle in Ai. Later on. The people would, would fall away. And again, they would compromise. Should that stop you from leading? No. Just keep leading. Keep leading. We are a group of people that are messed up. And we struggle. And every day we, we have good intentions. Like the nation of Israel. We'll follow you into the land. But Joshua didn't give up. He didn't give up until the land was conquered and he didn't give up until the land was distributed. And then when he was done, he turned it over to the people. I would encourage you today as you consider this book and read through the whole book of Joshua. Take time. Read through it. And look for those nuggets that God reveals to you about your faith journey. But the biggest one is following Christ is not a fearful thing. When God has given you his promise, his presence and his power. Following Christ is an amazing thing. Because he is going to give to you an amazing life. And it begins even today. The day or the day that you've accepted the Lord. We're going to celebrate that even now through communion. Communion. We're going to celebrate this great gift of salvation. That's free to anyone who has accepted forgiveness, accepted Jesus as Lord and Savior. The night before Jesus died on the cross, to pay the penalty for our sins, He gathered His disciples together. And He said, as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, remember me. Remember what this great salvation costs. And embrace it and own it. Own that salvation. Why? Because it is the most valuable thing in all of eternity. And it is a blessing that God has given to you. The ushers are going to come forward in a moment. They're going to pass out the bread and they're going to pass out the cups. Hang on to it till everybody's been served. Communion, the bread and the cup is a practice of the church. Crackers and grape juice don't save you. Jesus does. It's a memorial, a reminder of what He's done. I would caution you, though, if you don't, if you don't confess Jesus as Lord, don't take the elements. It has absolutely no meaning for you. It's not a snack. It's not, it's not a ritual. It's not something that is going to wow you. It's an act of worship. And if you can't worship Jesus for saving you, then let the elements go by. You've got sin in your life that you're saying, you know what, I, I am, I'm, I'm, I'm not wanting to submit to you, God. Don't take the elements. Because if Jesus is not the Lord of your life, then taking the elements is just a religious act. This is about a relationship. This is about worship. But if you've accepted Jesus, or maybe this morning God's working on your heart saying, you know what, I want to enter into that land, that, that place of salvation. You can pray in your heart and ask Jesus to forgive you of your sin and be Lord of your life. It's between you and God. It's your thing. God, I thank you for these elements. I thank you for... This time of communion, I thank you for this time of worshiping you. God, I would pray even now that as people are, are considering this. As people are thinking about this blessing that you've given to us. Lord, may you be honored as in this as an act of worship. We praise you and we thank you for the privilege of being called children of the Most High. Mm-hmm. And I would pray for anyone this morning that's struggling. Maybe they don't know how to ask for forgiveness. It's very simple. In your heart of hearts and in your inner spirit. Talk to Jesus as you would a friend. Ask Him to forgive you of all your sin. Fill you with His Spirit. Be Lord of your life. And let's worship the Lord.
3: Worthy of every breath we could ever breathe, we live for you.
0: I'll stand before the Lord. God, as we stand before you, may we have eyes to see, to look out and see what a great salvation that you have set before us. An eternal life that is ours for the receiving. But it all began with the cross it was all given to us as a gift because you paid the price for our sin you've set before us this table as a reminder of this gift the bread that represents your body Lord Jesus and the cup that represents your blood and Lord as we receive this gift We do so as an act of obedience in honor of You. That everywhere we go, we would testify of the great love that You have given to us. Let's hold the bread up before God and ask for His blessing upon it. God, we thank You for this this bread that reminds us of Your body, Lord Jesus. And all the punishment, pain and suffering and humiliation that You received on behalf of us. But physically, the judgment, the wrath of your Father for our sin. You died so that we might live. A dead body was placed in the tomb and you rose again. Guaranteeing for all that have placed their faith and trust in you eternal life. And we do so even now. We thank you for this bread and all that it means. As we receive it together as one body and one family. In Jesus' name. Let's all receive the bread. In the same manner, Jesus lifted up the cup and He blessed it and He gave it to them and He says, this cup represents the new covenant ratified by my blood. And as often as you drink this cup, remember me. Jesus, we thank You for this cup and the depth of meaning that this cup holds that our sins that were red as scarlet have been washed away that we stand before a holy God holy, even now, because of what You did over 2,000 years ago. May we take this great salvation, Your presence, Your power, Your promises, and live them out, all of our days on this earth, but live them out even unto eternity. We thank You for this cup and the blessing of it. May we take it together as one body and one family, in Jesus' name. Let's all receive that, Thank you, Lord. As is our practice, as an act of honoring God, we take up a very special offering. As God puts it on your heart, the ushers are going to take up this benevolent offering. These resources go specifically towards meeting people's needs and helping people out when they come up short because we are one family and one body so let me pray as the ushers come forward God I thank you for your provision of life and as we love you we want to love others and loving others means helping to meet their needs we think of the two and a half tribes that came over to help their brothers conquer the land Lord may we be like those tribes that lift one another up and encourage one another to help meet those needs. We praise You and we thank You for Your provisions in our lives. We honor You even now in Jesus' name. Amen. God, we ask that as we go out into this world, may we see those that need to be encouraged and bring encouragement. And Lord, as we walk this journey of faith, may we live in victory, knowing your power, your presence, and your promises, that you never drop us. May we not be afraid, but be of courage. And most importantly, Keep your word close to our hearts and in our mind and in our mouths. That everything that we say and do would make you smile. We praise you and we thank you for this morning. In Jesus' name and all God's people said, Amen. 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 And praise Jesus. Have a blessed day. Thanks for joining us in the study of God's word with Pastor Kerry Wacker. We'd love to have you join us in person for worship each Sunday morning at 9 a.m. or 1045 a.m. We also meet Wednesday nights at 6.30 p.m.